Josiah Bland. And I'm Grant Billings. This is Seeker Start. Yeah, it is. Thanks again for listening. Josiah, we got some big news. We do have some big news, Grant. We are, um, we just got invited and accepted a spot in the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Do we want to call it a spot or a slot? I don't know. I don't even know like either of those are appropriate. I don't think they are either. We are now members yeah, we are better. now members in the yeah Society of Reform Podcasters. There's a which... ro- lot of really great podcasts. Um, like we said last week in a, the end of our episode, Steady Anchor Podcast. Yeah, Luke Schmelzer. And there's so many more. Uh, I actually don't. I haven't got a chance to listen to all of them. No, I got. I, I got I to gotta listen to all of them. Now. I haven't either. I I saw the Facebook page. Uh, Luke shares it pretty frequently. Just a lot of the stuff that's within that uh, group there. A lot of the podcasts, um, and I've I've got a chance to listen to a couple of them, and they're all a lot a lot of just really solid dudes. Yeah, um, yeah. talking about a lot of really solid stuff. Really solid stuff. Because if they were talking about liquid stuff, I probably wouldn't listen. As yeah, much. I was to say nothing liquid, nothing, nothing in the air or anything like that. No, no, just, just solids. But anyway, <laughs> what you guys are about to hear. <laughs> Is the interview that we did with our pastor, uh, Barry Gibson. We've mentioned him a couple times uh, on the podcast. So we did an interview with him to kind of discuss an intro to really what we're going to be going into. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy this interview. The last couple of weeks, we talked about enjoying God. We looked at enjoying God's person. We looked at enjoying the scriptures. We looked at enjoying the world. What does that look like? So we're going we're gonna to be getting into a bit of a new direction here. Beginning this week, we're transitioning into a new series we call Who is God? This series will, it's going to be a basic study of God's attributes, God's character, um, and, and what that looks like, how that affects us and the way that we should live. Yeah, and we personally think that this is the most important and, and life-changing thing you could ever know, uh, you know, just studying God, you know, it's the most important thing we can do, you know, going to church is the most important place we can be on a Sunday morning, uh, you know, who our God is. Yeah, so to begin this theological discussion of God's attributes, we're going to define what theology is, and we're going to discuss how that affects us each individually. Yeah, so to assist us in this discussion, our very special guest is Pastor Barry Gibson from Chapel Park Baptist Church, and it is an honor (laughs) Pastor Barry, to have you on. Yes, it's great to be here, guys. Hey, so Pastor Barry, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, what do you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I am a pastor, of course, as you already said, of Chapel Park Baptist Church. Um, I also um, professor at Boyce College. I teach uh, teacher education. In other words, I teach teachers. Uh, Before that, I was a teacher in public schools primarily uh, for almost 20 years and um, have been in ministry, at least formally, I guess you could say, for about, oh, 10, 12 years now. And um, in Louisville, Kentucky, of course, been here about 10 years and have a lovely wife, Julie, and four 
poor kids. And been, been at Chapel Park, by the way, just on the pastoring side for about three years, just a bit over. And so uh, it's an exciting combination to be both on a, a Christian college campus and uh, have the other foot in what I would call the real world and uh, pastoring uh, boots on the ground, so to speak. Uh, it's, a, it's a real privilege. Yeah, it's a real honor. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great to um, to join you in that and kind of just be under you and learn from you uh, as me and Grant go to Chapel Park. So it's been it's been really great. So let's begin this discussion. Um, what is what is theology for for the beginner for the the person who's never heard the word before? Maybe what would you say is theology and what does that look like? Yes. Uh, well, to put it simply, I mean, being a teacher, uh, when I hear ology, so I think of all those things we had to take, you know, in, in, uh, particularly in high school and even in college, uh, biology, sociology, psychology, and so on. Uh, so ology simply means the study of, and so whatever prefixes before that indicates what you're studying. So really simply put, theology is the study of God. It's the old means, uh, God. So in other words, who God is, what he expects, what he has done. And that simply put, that's, that's what theology is. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so within theology, there are a, two, a couple different branches, right? We have what's called systematic theology and there's biblical theology as well. Can you give <laughs> us a little rundown on the, the basics of those so that we can understand um, what we're going into with systematic theology specifically. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, systematic theology, to use uh, Wayne Grudem's uh, famous definition, he simply says it's a question you ask, what does the whole Bible teach us today on a particular topic? So, for example, if you took uh, the topic of uh, Christ or sin or the Holy Spirit and you peruse through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, and you dug in and, and delve in to find out what the Bible is saying about those particular topics or themes. It's a system, in other words. You're systematizing uh, the way in which you look at uh, things, major themes, etc., throughout scripture. So that's systematic theology in, in, a, in a nutshell. And so if, if a person wanted to do a topical study. They wanted to find out about uh, sin, for example. They would try to locate all the passages of Scripture uh, in their context to find out what the Bible says about sin. Biblical theology, on the other hand, and not that it's quite different, uh, somewhat different maybe, but biblical theology is an attempt to uh, tell the whole story of the whole Bible uh, as Christian Scripture. And what I mean by that is, I think if, if anyone listening to this was in, in a church context for any amount of time, sometimes it seems as if the Bible is just a collection of books and letters and, and various stories uh, that just seem uh, at some point maybe not to have any connection with one another. They're just a, a combination of books that a bunch of old men put together at some point. And uh, it seems like it's important, but they're not really connected. Well, uh, the importance of understanding biblical theology, the reason that it's so significant is, in fact, 
uh, all of scripture, all of those books that seem sometimes discombobulated to people are actually um, connected and they do tell a story uh, throughout. There is a, a seam, if you will, or a thread that runs throughout the whole of scripture. So for example, if you took a Christ who we would say as Christians is the summation or, or the climax of, of all of scripture, so when we're studying biblical theology, if we look for Christ in Scripture, biblical theology would argue that Christ would be noted or or placed on practically every page of the Bible. And so as you go through the Bible, there's several genres in Scripture. So there's narrative, there's poetry, there's prophecy, uh, letters, and so on. Uh, when you go through those, uh, Christ is spread throughout. And, and you can see progressively how the story of redemption plays out in the Bible. So I'll give you one more example, and then um, I'll stop on the biblical theology. But if we use, for example, a famous um, theme or, or a four-part example is, is what Christians may call or theologians may call creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Uh, in other words, there is a story the Bible is telling throughout the all of Scripture that we we were created, that we as humankind fail. God set out a plan of redemption to redeem us from our fall, and then he will consummate that redemption in his coming again to bring his people to himself fully and finally. If you take those four themes, for example, you can see those progressively playing out through the whole of Scripture. Yeah. So, so would you, would you say for, for someone who's um, maybe newer to theology or newer to the Christian faith, would you say to um, study one or the other is, is more important? Would you say uh, to study systematic um, is more important to study biblical theology or vice versa? Yeah. I, I'm not sure if one trumps the other, uh, but if I had to pick, uh, I would probably pick biblical theology just so that someone starting out reading the Bible could have some sense that it, there is a connectiveness throughout the entire scripture. Yeah. I think the mistake we do sometimes, especially in church, and uh, the reason I would argue as a pastor, as a preacher, that one should take books of the Bible and, and preach through them verse by verse from beginning to end is because it helps people understand uh, the connectiveness and the and the um, progression of scripture because often again to go back to my beginning uh, analogy of if you were spent any time in church at all and uh, whoever's preaching pastor who have you um, is speaking from different parts of scripture and they're picking passages from different parts of a book then it, it would seem to someone at, at first glance to be a bit disconnected and it would be like picking up a novel and beginning in the middle of it or reading the last chapter. Well, no one does that. I mean, no one normal does that, typically. <laughs> uh, and so we, we begin a book at its beginning. I mean, that's just how we read and because it makes sense. The author has written it as such that you best understand it when you start at page one and read through to the end. So with biblical theology, if I, again, if I had to choose, I would probably choose that over systematic simply because um, you, you 
hopefully we get a sense of the connectedness of all of Scripture uh, from beginning to end. So, Although, I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry, Pastor. You're, you're so specifically. You would say in the church context, biblical theology would be most important, or uh, in general, um, or where? Let's say this: Where would systematic theology have its its place? Would you? Say? Yeah. So I, have, I think systematic theology, in one sense, is very important as well. So I don't mean to downplay its significance. Right. Right. Me, meaning. Um, I think if you had a burning question or you really wanted to find, for, for example, if, I, if I'm seeking God, so if I'm trying to find out about uh, what God expects of me. So, and, and I, I keep hearing these Christian people talk about sin and I, I want to understand what that means, although I may not fully agree with it. Systematic theology would have a wonderful place there in the fact that I could take the topic, for example, of sin and see what the Bible says throughout Scripture about sin. What does that mean? What, what do we mean when we, we say sin? And so systematic theology would offer a great way. And, and by the way, on both of these gentlemen, biblical theology and systematic theology, there's great resources for people uh, to use. And they're, they're very easily found on Amazon uh, or other, other outlets uh, for people. To, that are truly desiring to to understand theology. Uh, do you have any uh, Do you have any particular ones you would recommend for uh, a beginner, like a beginning? Uh, well, I, again, I, I mentioned Wayne Grudem earlier. He, he has a, a great systematic theology light, I would call it L I T E, uh, and and it, the exact title of it kind of um, slips in my mind at the moment. But it's much shorter than his. Uh, his seminary book, if yeah. you will, Systematic Theology. As a matter of fact, um, churches, I know of churches that have used it to actually go through and, and teach, for example, Sunday school class or, or a Bible study. But I would recommend Wayne Grudem. So you could just, you could simply um, search his authorship under Systematic Theology. There's a couple of books. Uh, James Hamilton uh, wrote a book that's by that question, what is biblical theology? Mm. It's a great book. Small read is, I think it's hundred and some pages. Uh, a, a very readable book. Uh, uh, I think Michael Lawrence wrote, wrote a similar book. That's very readable and very understandable in biblical theology. So I would recommend those, uh, for sure. Um, uh, again, it's, it's, if you are wanting to dig in, the, those are, are good resources. Yeah. So um, I think that at least from me and Grant's demographic, like where we're from, um, theology is kind of a bad word, right? Um, because there's so many different ideas that are thrown around about it. Um, and, and ultimately, like, it's just not taught on. So no one, it's, it's an intimidating thing to people because they don't understand it at all. Um, both the word, like even what we're just talking about, systematic theology, like for some people, that would be very intimidating to hear something like that because they've never heard it before. Um, so coming into this next kind of this, this next area of this question, we ask, what is theology? What would you say to someone who asked you, what is, what's the point of all of this? What's the purpose? Why should I study theology? Yeah. Well, I mean, this, the simple answer, the quick answer, the short answer, the ultimate purpose of studying theology is to know God. That, that is the purpose. Um, I mean, period. We could elaborate on that, but it's simply 
if I want to know God, not about him, not what I think of him, but what, what, what do uh, I know about God? Well, maybe very little. So how do I figure that out? And that's, that's the purpose of studying theology. Well, I, I should qualify that. And so we should say that God has chosen to reveal himself a particular way. And primarily that is uh, <clears throat> through his word, uh, what we call the Christian scriptures or the Bible. So if I was trying to figure out God, if you will, in other words, understand who he is, what he's done, uh, what he expects, then um, I would dig into his word. And, and therefore, in a sense, to know God's word is to know God. Hmm. Uh, so that, that's, that's the purpose of studying theology um, to me. And, and, and by the way, especially Western civilization, uh, us Americans in particular, uh, we, we, we pursue other things the same way. We, we spend years, by the way, in education, ungodly amount of years. I, I, my family always jokes with me. They say, I've been in school my entire life. <laughs> because yeah, I went to school to be a teacher. Then I went to school to teach. Then I went back to school to, to uh, learn more. I, it's, it's, we, we do this. That's the Western way. And uh, so we study all sorts of things and have no problem with that and have no problem with going into great amount of debt in which to do so. Mm. However, when it comes to studying God, you're right, as you alluded to earlier, Josiah, that, that seems people shy away or it's even look, looked as if a bad, it's a bad thing, even almost a waste of time. But, but the, the thing is, if we, if we dig a little bit deeper, I, I think within everyone, even people that don't have any belief in God at all. There is some sense that um, we're not accidents and we're not just, um, not in the truest sense, um, nihilist or fatalist thinking that we're, we're just blips on the planet and we'll come and go and it doesn't really matter. I don't think very few people actually truly deep down believe that. Yeah. So, if that's not true, and I don't think most people believe that's true. So if they don't, then they have to figure out their reason for existence. Uh, why, are, why are they here? And everyone, even atheists, feel like there needs to be some purpose for their life, some good that they can do, some, some reason, some higher goal than just existing. So in one way or the other, we're going to figure out who our God is. Now, it may not be the one true God, but we will formulate a God. Yeah. So the studying of theology, uh, truly studying theology, is to, to know the one and, one and only true God. Yeah. So hitting on that last part you were saying there is, um, you know, everyone will have a God, whether it's the one true God or not. Um, I guess it depends the question then does everyone have theological views? Because we know that the, the people who are studying theology um, all have theological views. Um, but for those who don't believe in God um, or don't believe there is a God, uh, would you say those people also have theological views? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would, the simple answer to that, Grant, would be yes. I, I, I think everyone does. I, I'll give you a quick quote from J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer was an Anglican theologian, uh, British. Uh, well, he lived in Canada for the most of his uh, latter life. He died this year, actually. Uh, but a small quote from him 
is, is this. Every time we mention God, we become theologians. Mm. Yeah, the question is whether we are going to be good ones or bad ones. Oh, yeah, that's tough. And so, uh, yes, I, I think everyone has some type of theological view because it, it seems as if it's built within us. Of course, as Christians, uh, we, we, we uh, would say, obviously, yes, it's built within us, that, that there is something higher than us. In other words, there's a being, if you will, there's a, there is something that is stronger than us. Yeah, Roman uh, anyway. right? Yes. I mean, to some sense, I mean, a fool could could look outside and see the sunrise this morning and a beautiful morning here in Louisville and know that uh, something greater than him or herself did that. Yeah, uh, there's something. So there's there's some view that men and women, boys and girls have uh, that there is some type of God, some some type of being. That's interesting, though. Uh, I say that higher power, but it's interesting, even if we don't believe that. So let's go, let's go back even further. Let's say we have an adamant person who has no belief, no care for God, and is open about their non-belief, if you will. I mean, what's interesting, if you, if you get to know them and you peer into their life long enough, they have made something their God, something. Mm. It's interesting. It's, it's things like work, for example, their career, they're spending 50, 60, 70 hours a week at their job. They're making sure they're, they're getting overtime or making extra money or doing a, a side gig or what have you. And uh, what they have done in that case is they've, they have made their career or money uh, their, their God. And so they're looking to that thing for satisfaction, for fulfillment. And what's interesting, you mentioned your guy's age, and so I guess we should make clear, since people can't see our faces, uh, we're talking about 20s-somethings, 30s-somethings, and so on. Uh, it's it's um, interesting, people that are younger, those things are deceptive because they look as if they will be a good God. What happens when you get a bit older, like me, and even older, you begin to realize that, you know, that money and that career wasn't quite as fulfilling as I thought it would be. And if you fail in any of those points at your career, in other words, if someone happens to step on you on the career ladder and you become a rung uh, rather than the, the foot, uh, that, that, uh, that career will never forgive you. That career will never bring you back into the fold. Matter of fact, it will punish you for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. will be living in regret. Um, the same is true for anything else. Marriage. Some, sometimes people think that's the cure for all things, that I get a wonderful spouse. And marriage is a wonderful thing. But if you fail in it, as uh, we know many people often do, uh, that will haunt you for the rest of your life. And, uh, it's unforgiving, matter of fact. And uh, what's sad about that is that that's what people are doing. In other words, to go back to the question you asked, Grant, yes. See, everyone has theological views. They're viewing things as their God, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, the, the only problem is, is those gods, little g, will, will always disappoint at some point or another. May may look quite well for a season, but at some point, the, those those views, uh, although they're skewed, uh, they they will they will. Uh, they will always fail. 
Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So kind of like wrapping up the bows here, um, what we ask, what is theology? Uh, what is the purpose to know God, right? So how does getting all this knowledge of who God is determine how we live in our lives? How does that work out? And, and how should it work out? How should we live in light of who God is? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So I'll go back to what I've kind of mentioned some before, but let me let me just kind of start at the beginning, I guess, is if God is real, so let's just start there. Let's say, so I have some notion that, that God is real. And therefore he has attributes or his ways. He has certain expectations, I would assume. And there must be something he expects from me. And most people believe that, that there must be something I need to do, even atheists, uh, to feel that I've done right in the world, that I've made a difference, that I feel like my life counts, as what I mentioned earlier. So let's say I, I've come to the point that, you know what, there may be a God. Um, what people believe about God, it's all, it's interesting, is that most people believe that God at some point when they die or in the afterlife or on a, a, a obscure judgment day that they may have heard about hmm. that God's going to somehow take his scales of justice and uh, he's going to weigh their uh, good deeds. They're good. if you will, over their bad ones. And hopefully, hopefully um, my good deeds will outweigh my bad ones. Hmm. So that's how people live, in other words. In, in, view, in their view of God, people, people live that way. And so they're hoping that God will see favorable on them. So we study theology to know God. And so you think, okay, I, I want to figure this out. So I start reading the Bible. And so I, I would point someone, for example, to um, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the beginning of the New Testament. Pick any one of those because they hone in on and they describe for us the life of Jesus while he was on this earth uh, better than any other portion of the Bible. So I would start there because if, if God sent his son, Jesus, uh, to, to bring redemption, to somehow bring salvation, then what, what, what would that mean for me? What do I need to do? My, my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the Gospels uh, regarding this is John 6. You may recall John 6, and some of you that are listening to this that have listened and heard Bible uh, taught or preached, you might remember Jesus feeding the 5,000 uh, with just simply two fish and uh, five loaves of, of bread. He goes, he feeds them, and then he goes across the, the Sea of Galilee, and the people are looking for him the next day, and so they find him. And they really are just looking for him. So he's kind of like a, uh, you know, just just a cafeteria, if you will, a buffet. <laughs> and uh, so I want more food. You know, I'm hungry again, Jesus. What can you help help me? And so Jesus just confronts them with that reality. He's like, look, you don't really know who I am. You, you, you think you know about God and you think you're finding God in your own way. And all you're wanting from me is the same you, as you would want from a genie in a bottle. So you just confess him with that truth. So you're just, you just want to find me so you can get your feel. 
And so Jesus says this to them. This is verses 27 through 29. This is their, their conversation uh, back and forth when Jesus finally confronts their, the truth of why, uh, why they're doing what they're doing. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Ah, Jesus, he, he, he strikes a chord, see, which, which in the end, anyone would say, even an atheist, if it be true, there's an afterlife. If it be true that there is eternity, huh? How do I get at that? See that that's how would I get at that? Right. So Jesus goes right to the heart, you see. And so he then he goes on, he says, Which the Son of Man, speaking of himself, will give you. In other words, I will give this to you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So here's the classic question for all humanity. And they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? That is the classic way of religion to God. And that is works. See, everyone is looking for what can I do to be saved? What can I do to get this everlasting life? What can I do to, to be made right with God so that in the end, somehow the scales of God's justice will weigh in rightly for me? And God will welcome me into this eternal bliss, if you will. And so that's the question everyone's asking. And Jesus is saying that's the wrong question. Mm. So he answers them by saying this. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. <laughs> so it's like, that's mind-blowing, just poof. Like, there is no work. See, there is no work. The work is that you believe. That That is... To say, uh, God, when you study theology and you learn who God is, God is not saying, here's what you must do to inherit eternal life. God is saying, here's what I have done that yeah. you may have eternal life. So the significance of studying theology to know God is to learn what he expects. And you think, what does he expect? And he says, by faith. You believe in the one I've sent, Jesus, who came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and absorbed the wrath of God that we deserve. He took my sins, all those bad deeds on the left scale of the justice uh, scale, so to speak, of God. He took all of those, and he weighed those on his shoulders for me. And so when that reality comes in view, and I place my faith and trust in him. I repent of my sins and say, Lord, here I am. I have nothing to bring to you. And, and Jesus is saying, that's exactly where I want you to be. That's what I've come to do. That is the epiphany, gentlemen. That is the aha moment in any seeker's life. As he reads, she reads the Bible. It is the discovery that it is not what must I do, but it is what Christ has done for me in my place already. Yeah. That is the ultimate and eternal relief in the relentless pursuit to please the Almighty, to find out that he has already been pleased, placated, if you will, in and by his son. What, what, what a beautiful work. Once we find that out, and and we surrender our lives to him. Hey, then then I'm going to devour the scriptures to find out how to live for this God that has given all for me. Yeah. Beauty of studying theology.
so you're saying what I kind of heard you say there at the end was, you know, because you're not obviously you can't earn your way to to to, to salvation, right? Um, but once you have salvation, once you see what Christ has done, and you believe that, you can't do anything on your own to save yourself. But you have to trust in what Christ has already done. We we now look to God and we see I want to follow that God because I love Him. Right? Yes. Um, and we love him because we know him. Right. So that was, that was so great. Thank you so much for, um, for coming on and sharing some of that, some of your wisdom, um, the things you've learned over the years with us. It's been, um, real, really thankful for it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's a privilege for for me, gentlemen. I, I, I was glad to do it. What a guy. It's a great dude, man. What an interview. I, I just love him. He's, he's very wise. And he's just brilliant, but he's so very practical too. Yeah, so practical. He knows how to bring it down to kind of that surface um, intro level, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. Just the basic, like just hits the basics hard. Right. He, he highlighted the gospel. Yeah. Uh, so we hope you guys saw that. Um, and and my, as we're about to go into the study of who is God, we think that that's obviously like like we just talked about. It's such an important question to ask. It's an important question to figure out. Mm. And we, we can only figure this, this question out from the scriptures. That's our only source. We don't get to ask ourselves, what do we think God is? Who do we think God is? It doesn't really matter who we think God is. Right. It matters what God has revealed himself to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So the more we see his nature, the more we see God and how different he is from us, we actually, like, we behold it. It's like, wow, the power and the glory of God causes us to stand in awe of him. And, and as we stand in awe, we, we fall this into love. We, we start to love God for who he is, for being a great being, a holy being, right? A righteous being, but the being that first loved us. And as we love him, we don't just know all these things. We, we, we love him. We want to live for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as we progress through this study, we hope you guys will greatly benefit from it. Uh, we hope you guys will... Um, stick along for this journey to, to see who God is. Because as we kind of mentioned in the interview uh, with Pastor Barry, it's the most important thing we're ever going to study. As believers, this is the most important thing. These are the most important things that we can know so we can know how to love God, as, as you were just saying, Josiah, and, and how we can serve him, worship him rightly. Yeah. So with that being said, stay tuned. See you guys next time. <laughs>